Hello everyone and a very warm welcome to you all, regular listeners and newcomers too. We are recording the Worcester Talking News to you, which is brought to you in conjunction with the Worcester News and Equipment Services for the Visually Impaired. Our news today is from Friday the 5th of May until today, Thursday the 11th of May. Recorded at Colin Chance House, Wilds Lane, Worcester, WR5 1DA. You will hear useful telephone numbers, theatre news, birthday wishes and then the headline stories for each day plus other interesting stories from the past week and a lot of sports news too. We conclude with thought for the week and the obituaries. The service is totally free as is our regular magazine and talking book service. You can contact us by telephone on 01905 767766 or if you wish you can put a note in your wallets when you return them. We respond as soon as we can and no one will be ignored. So good or bad we look forward to hearing from you. I am Kate and the team today with me are Penny, Richard and Peter. John is our technician and all the administration and copying is done by Carol Hartle and her team, to whom we extend our very grateful thanks, and otherwise you would not receive your your memory sticks. Uh, I'm now going to open the birthday book, so let's see who's got a birthday this week. Where are we? Um, This is, uh, ah, Diane Smith on the 17th of May and Rita Smith on the 20th of May. So a very happy birthday to both of you. And I hope you will have very enjoyable days when the time comes. Not quite time yet, but nearly. Um, Please do let us know if you've not given us your birthday date so we can uh, include you and we'll be very pleased to do so and wish you a happy birthday too. Peter will now give you some useful telephone numbers. Thank you, Peter. Okay, Worcester Talking News, a repeat. 01905 767766 Police Non-Emergency 101 NHS Direct 111 Out of Hours Medical Assistance Between 6pm and 8pm 0300 123 3211 Crime Stoppers 0800 555 111 Community Risk Team Fire Safety 0800 032 1155 Domestic Abuse Helpline 0800 980 3331 Worcester County Council Here to Help 01905 768053 Request Option 3 Worcester Hub 01905 765-765 Sense Adventures Walking for the Visually Impaired Telephone D. Jones on 01684 891 297 Samaritan's free phone number 116123 Worcester Theatre's box office 01905 611 427 Malvern Theatre Box office 01684 892277. Norbury Theatre Droitwich Box office 01905 770154. Number 8 Theatre Pershaw Box office 01386 555 488. 
National Grid, formerly Western Power, 0800 917 7953. 24 hour service for that one. Use this in the event of a power cut. There's a priority service registered free on 0800 032 8302 who will provide information, for example, in Braille, Braille large print, or alternative languages. Thank you, Peter. Now, Penny would, will tell us a bit about the entertainment uh, that's going on this week and the next few weeks. Well, in Worcester, the Swan Theatre, on Wednesday the 17th of May at 7.30, Tracy Borman is presenting an evening about how to be a good monarch, uh, a gripping, entertaining and informative audio-visual tour of 100 years of the British monarchy. And the tickets for that is £25. And at Huntingdon Hall, there's a musical evening with Talon, the acoustic collection. That's on Friday the 19th of May at 7.30 and the tickets are £21.50. At Malvern Theatre, we have the Sensational 60s Experience and that features Dozy, Beaky, McIntitch, The Trems, The Fortunes, Mike Darbo, The Swinging Blue Jeans and Vanity Fair. And that is on Friday the 19th of May at 7.45 and the tickets are £36.96 and that's at Malvern Theatre. Um, also at Malvern Theatre on Sunday the 21st of May uh, there is Kate Rusby hailed as the First Lady of Folk and she is providing entertainment on uh, Sunday the 21st at 7.45pm and tickets are £33.60. Slightly further afield, we have the Norbury Theatre um, in Droitwich and production there of the Mikado. And this is a 50th anniversary production. And it's the Mikado. It's on Wednesday the 17th until Saturday the 20th of May. Um, and that starts at 7.30pm uh, or a Saturday matinee at 2.30pm and tickets are £14 and £5 for students. That's at the Norbury Theatre. And at Pershaw, at the number eight, we have a year of birdsong and bird songs. Uh, this is presented by Anthony Harris and AJ Tagala, one singer and one ornithologist. And that is an evening on Friday the 12th of May at 7.30pm and the tickets are £17 or for Friends of the Theatre, £16 and the performance lasts 1 hour 50 minutes. For those who have an interest in art, at Worcester City Arts Gallery uh, there is um, an exhibition of British Impressionism from the 19th and 20th century from the Cornish coast to the Malvern Hills and that's on until the 1st of July. It's free entry and there is an audio description with headsets available. Thank you very much, Penny. Now, Peter, could you start reading the headlines for the week, please? This is Friday, May the 5th. Stab victim has serious injuries... A seriously hurt man was taken to hospital after a stabbing in Dines Green. A second man was also hurt and his injuries were assessed by paramedics in Drake Avenue. He was discharged at the scene. 
emergency services rushed to the residential state at 8am on Thursday morning to what West Mercia Police called a domestic incident. The Midlands Air Ambulance landed in Honeywell Primary School's playing fields in Tudor Way, with teachers quick to reassure parents the incident did not involve any of its pupils. An eyewitness walking past the scene said, I just saw loads of police and they are in hazmat suits and undercover police looking around windows. People living nearby said they were alerted to the incident after hearing a helicopter hovering overhead. Officers in protective clothing could be seen going in and out of a house in Drake Avenue, while uniformed officers were also in the street. A West Midlands ambulance spokesperson said, we were called to reports of a stabbing in Dine Screen this morning at just after 8am. Two ambulances, a paramedic officer and the Midlands Air Ambulance from Strencham attended the scene. One man was treated for serious injuries before being taken by ambulance to hospital on blue lights. A second man was assessed before being discharged at the scene. An eyewitness who saw the air ambulance at Honeywell Primary School said everyone was worried that it might be a school pupil. So the school had to put a letter out to all pupils that the air ambulance was just using the field. A spokesperson for Honeywell Primary School added, we are pleased to assist the Midlands Air Ambulance in an incident in Tyne Screen and help our local community. At 10.40am, one police van and an officer in a hazmat suit were spotted walking in and out of the property. The house's curtains were drawn. A West Mercia police spokesman said, it is a domestic that resulted in a minor injury. The final police vehicle left the scene just after 11am. And the headline for Saturday, May the 6th, unsurprisingly, is Coronation Day and we're already white and blue. And there's a picture on the front page of children, school children dressed up in robes and, and homemade crowns looking very happy. And there are two stories inside about the Coronation Day in the past and present. The, this story has a picture of... Pinkett Street in 1953, including Linda Dinsdale on the left in the second row. Deja vu for partygoers. It may be a slight case of deja vu for neighbours on One City Road who attended a street party for the Queen's coronation nearly 70 years ago. Patriotic residents from Pinkett Street are best known for their love of a royal knees-up over the years. Since the Queen's coronation in 1953, neighbours have organised 11 royal street parties. Sandra Sandra Smith was among those at Pinkett Street in Northwick who celebrated the Queen's historic coronation. And now, at 75, she is helping her neighbours to organise the 12th street party for the coronation of King Charles III. Mrs Smith has many happy memories of celebrating with her neighbours in 1953. She said, I was five at the time. I remember going up the street with my mother to pick up some cherry blancmange and she had a pram with her. We didn't have a television at home in those days and I don't think any of the children watched the coronation. I think the grown-ups did, but I'm not sure where because local pubs didn't have televisions either in those days. Mrs Smith also said she remembers her neighbours gathering her in her home for the Queen's big day. I do remember we were all sat in our home and we had two chairs and two planks of wood were put over the chair so four people could sit down instead of just two, she added. 
Over the years, the street has been decorated with bunting, balloon, and tables filled with cake to celebrate the monarchy in order to get the community together. I do support the, the monarchy, and I am keen on the monarchy. My favourite member of the royal family is Princess Anne. She has always been in the background and supported King Charles, and she has done so much behind the scenes. However, Mrs. Smith said things have changed over the years, and she has noticed a lot of less enthusiasm towards the monarchy. I'm excited. We're all trying to get it to come together, but there is little enthusiasm as street parties. I don't know if the younger ones are overly interested. Things have changed a lot now. And the next story in the same paper about the coronation is experience was priceless. A teenager from Worcester said he couldn't believe it when he realised he had tickets to the coronation concert to see acts such as Katy Perry perform. Harrison Ricketts was given the rare opportunity to volunteer in the capital as people were lining the streets of London for the coronation of King Charles III. The 18-year-old student was placed at, at Westminster in order to carry out his volunteer duties and was able to watch the historical moment in real time as opposed to through a television screen. Mr Ricketts from Lower Wick said, I have never been to an event like that before. It was amazing to see a king's coronation in the 21st century. The teen was given the opportunity to volunteer thanks to the work he does with the National Citizens Service. Trust, the NCS Trust. But things got better for Mr Ricketts when he found out he had been given free tickets to the coronation concert due to the work he had been doing for the NCS for the past year. Mr Ricketts said being invited to the concert was a rewarding gift. He said, The King sat in the royal box, but I didn't get to meet him. I would have liked to, though. I don't know what I would do if I met him, but I would like to express my gratitude towards him. I want to continue to show my commitment and gratitude towards this country. The experience was priceless. Lionel Richie was my favourite. The songs he performed are some of my favourites. Mr Ricketts met people from all over the world who had travelled, especially for the celebrations. He said events like this do unify the country and the Commonwealth. While I understand that some people are upset with the cost of it all, I think it has also benefited the economy. Nowadays, young people are losing that traditional patriotism for the monarchy. But I still think young people respect the monarchy, but they just don't have much of an interest. But the royal family do bring in a lot of tourism and money to the country. On Monday, May the 8th, we have a most unfortunate headline, Shock Stabbing. A man arrested on suspicion of attempted murder and sexual assault after a woman attacked. And the photograph is shown with two policemen guarding the uh, approach along uh, Claver Walk. A man has been arrested on suspicion of attempted murder and sexual assault after an elderly woman was stabbed multiple times. The 72-year-old woman was attacked in Claver Walk in the early hours of yesterday morning. That was Sunday, of course. A 56-year-old man has been arrested on suspicion of attempted murder and sexual assault. The woman was attacked in Claver Walk 
and is now being treated at Queen Elizabeth Hospital in Birmingham. A police cordon was established along the riverside path between Copenhagen Street Car Park and Dicklis Parade and remained in place as Worcester News went to press. Police were called shortly after 2am and officers immediately responded. The incident has shocked people in South Quay who came across the police cordon while enjoying a stroll by the River Severn during the coronation weekend. A couple who went for a morning walk said, We had heard something had happened, but we had no idea it was here until just now. A group sat by the river said but they were shocked by the news. One said, We've seen the news on the Worcester News website. It is very distressing to hear. Another person sitting by the riverside said, We have seen what's happened and we can't believe it. Police are up there blocking off the pathway. Superintendent Rebecca Love said there was no ongoing risk to people, but there would be increased patrols in the area. We understand the concerning nature of this incident and have officers in the area both to carry out inquiries and offer reassurance to the local community. Officers responded quickly to the incident, very quickly, and apprehended a man. He was arrested on suspicion of attempted murder and is currently in police custody. Our inquiries are ongoing and we are treating this as an isolated incident and there is no further risk to the wider public. We are aware this location is extremely popular and want people to be able to visit it and feel safe. Therefore, you will see an increase in police presence, but I can assure you there is no ongoing risk to the public. Uh, on Tuesday, May the 9th, the headline was Dramatic Rescue. Firefighters pull disabled man from flat after chip pan blaze. And there's a picture of fire crews climbing through a window to save the man. <clears throat> A man was rescued from his flat by firefighters as smoke poured from ground floor window. A firefighter clambered through the window of a flat in Prince's Drive after they received a 999 call saying a disabled man was stuck in the building. The man suffered smoke inhalation and was seen by paramedics. A fire broke out in a chip pan and quickly filled the room with black smoke. Fellow resident Ian Powell said it was a scary incident and he saw ambulances, police cars and fire crews on his doorstep. He said, I first saw smoke coming out of the flat and then firefighters were climbing through the window. There were two fire engines and an ambulance and they checked him over and he was OK. Police cars were also there. There was a fire engine outside the house and then police and ambulances further down the road. I don't know what started it, but they climbed through the window. I just heard the sirens, and it was quite scary seeing them doing so. After rescuing the man, the fire crew brought the chip pan out of the property and put the fire out of control, under control. Another eyewitness said a disabled man was saved from a chip pan fire from a ground floor flat. It happened on Prince's Drive at 12.40pm today. This was last Saturday. Two crews from Worcester and one from Droitwich were sent to the flat in Diglis. 
A Hereford and Worcester Fire and Rescue Service spokesperson said, At 12.38 we were called to an incident at Prince's Drive in Worcester on May the 6th. We had two crews from Worcester and one from Droitwich in attendance and all were accounted for at the property. It was a chip pan fire on the ground floor flat which was brought out out of the property. One man suffered smoke inhalation and was checked by paramedics. Another neighbour added, it happened on Saturday, he is fine. I spoke to him yesterday and he is well. This is from Wednesday, May the 10th. Boy hurt as car and bus collided. Child suffered head injuries in the crash. A young boy suffered from head injuries after a crash between a bus and a car near Worcester City Centre. Paramedics checked over the young boy, who had minor injuries, before he was taken to Worcestershire Royal Hospital for further treatment. A car almost lost its bonnet in a crash with a bus at the junction of Sansom Street, City Walls Road and Lowesmore. Police officers, firefighters and ambulance crews were sent to the crash on Saturday, May the 6th, just after 5.30. Councillor Karen Lewing and Councillor Hannan Cooper, Worcester City Councillors, witnessed the crash. Councillor Lewing said, We are pleased that nobody was more seriously hurt in the incident. West Midlands Ambulance Service said it was called to the junction of Sansom Street and Lowesmore. An ambulance and paramedic officer were sent to the scene where, on arrival, crews discovered a car and a bus had been involved in a collision. Ambulance staff treated one male patient, a child, for minor injuries before conveying him to Worcester Royal Hospital for further assessment. A spokesperson from Hereford and Worcester Fire and Rescue Service said they were called to make the vehicles safe. A crew from Worcester Fire Station attended following a collision between a car and a bus at the junction of Sansom Street City Walls Road and Lowe's Moor, with no people trapped. A young boy was left in the care of the ambulance service due to a head injury. Traffic was reduced to one lane on Sansom Street due to the incident which was left with the police log number 345 for vehicle recovery. The Worcester crew left the scene at 5.59pm. And for Thursday, May the 11th, The front page carries a bold headline, We Are Gutted, and shows a picture of the race course in Worcester, uh, showing it being very, very muddy. Disappointment, a city's first ever balloon festival is a washout. Balloon fest postponed. The city's first hot air balloon festival has been postponed just days before it was set to take place because of a waterlogged field. Organisers of Worcester Balloon Festival postponed the event yesterday, which was due to take place this weekend. The festival will now take place on June the 23rd and 24th. The event organisers said the decision was made because the Worcester Racecourse is waterlogged and could be slippery in places. It follows a visit to the site by Worcester City Council and Worcester Racecourse. Worcester Balloon Festival said all tickets already purchased have been moved to the new date. If visitors cannot make the new date in June, they have been told to request a refund through the ticket provider, Skiddle. 
The spokesperson for the festival said, Many of you who have purchased tickets will be aware that we have postponed the Worcester Balloon Festival until June the 23rd and 24th. We appreciate this is an inconvenience. Therefore, there is an option to request a refund from Skiddle if you are unable to make the new dates. We cannot process refunds and this must be done via Skiddle. As a result of the rain and the forecast this week, it means the grounds are waterlogged and could be slippery in places. We want to provide the very best experience for everyone in Worcester and therefore have made the difficult decision to postpone until June the 23rd and 24th to give the ground time to dry out. Please be patient as we have received a lot of messages and will do our best to get back to everyone. Tickets will be automatically moved to the new date. If you are unable to make that date, please contact Skiddle, who will refund you. People who had tickets reacted. Joshua Harrison said, Such a shame the bad weather made you guys postpone the event. Hopefully, second time lucky. While Yolanda Dimabro said, Gutted, we have plans on the new date. Annie Busby. Bushby said, looking forward to this in June. Fingers crossed, better weather and no rail strikes. And now some more articles which we hope you will find interesting. Under the headline, Hospice Fundraiser Hits Half a Million, we learn that a hospice has thanked Worcestershire residents for supporting its 36-hour appeal to raise funds to continue its vital services and to fully refurbish its inpatient unit. The Million Moments appeal came in the wake of the COVID-19 pandemic, where St Richard's Hospice was unable to make necessary upgrades to its patient facilities at Wildwood Drive in Worcester, which are now 17 years old. A 36-hour appeal ran from 10am on Sunday, April 23rd, to 10pm on Monday, April 24th, and raised £540,308 towards its £1 million target. All donations made during the campaign were doubled by generous hospice funders, matching pound for pound. Around 150 people signed up to be a hospice champion, and showed their support by reaching out to family, friends and a network of followers to raise awareness over the urgent 36-hour period. Last year, St Richard's supported more than 3,100 people across Worcestershire. Tricia Cavell, the fundraising director for St Richard's Hospice, said, We cannot thank our amazing community enough for helping raise such a staggering amount of money in a matter of hours and helping us get more than halfway towards the target we've set by the end of the year. St Richard's is blessed to have passionate and dedicated supporters and a campaign like this is testament to that because its success lies in people getting in touch with those who know to explain why a cause is so close to their hearts. Our champions, match funders and everyone who has donated or shared our story over the last couple of days are true hospice heroes. Together we can continue to make every moment count for patients and loved ones. 
Thank you. While donations are no longer being matched pound for pound, anyone wishing to donate to the Million Moments campaign can still do so at https colon slash slash www.charityextra.com slash million moments. That's all one string, million moments. I carried the sword for the king. The city's new sword-bearer has described the honour of leading a civic procession through Worcester to mark the coronation of the king. The procession began at 4pm on Sunday from Worcester Guild Hall, heading along the high street towards the cathedral as crowds gathered to watch the ancient ritual. Dignitaries, including the Mayor of Worcester, Councillor Adrian Gregson, took part in the procession and attended the coronation evensong. A spokesperson for Worcester Cathedral described it as a special county service of thanksgiving in celebration of the coronation of King Charles III, led by the Bishop of Worcester, John Inge. Paul Harding, who led the procession for the first time as sword-bearer, held steady the large sword which dates from 1655, not long after the defeat of Royalist forces at the Battle of Worcester on September 3, 1651. Mr Harding, 46, said it was a great honour to be asked to be the sword-bearer for the coronation celebrations. I have been a mace-bearer for a great many years and was really happy to agree to take up the cap of maintenance and the civic sword for such a prestigious event. The meaning behind our city regalia is deep-rooted in the history of our great city. It was a very special thing, taking the oath of allegiance to the king his heirs and successors, whilst acting as the sword-bearer. He was flanked by sergeants at Mace, Mark Harding, Ken Ken Woodfield and Jenny Killam. Worcester is one of only a few ancient cities that has a cap of maintenance or cap of dignity. The cap of maintenance is gifted by monarchs and it is believed they started life as capulots and Lamborghinis, helmet coverings used by knights. Mr Harding said the city's cap of maintenance is confirmed in a number of charters including the 1621 charter. Sadly the original cap was lost during the English Civil War and had to be replaced in the 18th century. This cap can be seen in the painting of Robert Howarth on the Guildhall stairs. In the 1930s it was decided that a replica 18th century uniform should be made for the sword bearer. Mr Harding added, three ostrich feathers top the cap. Some people believe these decorative feathers could be a medieval symbol of the Trinity or even a gift from the King after the city buried Prince Arthur in Worcester Cathedral. Prince Arthur was the Prince of Wales and his symbol is three white ostrich feathers. The cap of maintenance can be seen at most civic functions and is not a a common feature across Britain. Fun fish and chip cruises along the canal. <clears throat> fish and chip cruises along the canal are available to book in time for summer. The Pamela May II community boat in Droitwich has released a host of dates for the cruises, which leave from Vines Park. The cruises take people on a two-hour trip, turning at Salwarp, where the food gets delivered, and back along the canal to Vines Park. Linda Gillespie, who organises the bookings for the cruises, said... We are really happy to be running our fish and chip cruises again along the canal. 
This is all made possible by the volunteers that operate our electric boat. The boat is equipped with solar panels and also features a disability lift for any mobility issues or wheelchair users. The boat also hosts cream tea cruises consisting of a three-hour trip along the canal and ending at Vines Park. Mrs Gillespie said we are a community boat that largely caters for care homes, groups and events. A few years ago we started to have more requests from individual cruises so we decided to put on our original cream tea cruises. Last year we branched out a bit more and started our fish and chip cruises. The fish and chip cruises start in June but the cream tea cruises have an available date in May with slots still available. Mrs Gillespie said our next cream tea cruise is on Sunday May the 14th and there are lots of slots still available. If anyone is interested, you can call us on 0793 857 1809. Fish and chip cruises are £20 per person and the cream tea cruises are £15 per person. Droitwich Waterways, Pamela May Trust, was established in 2011 just before the opening of the Barge Canal and the Junction Canal connecting the River Severn and the Worcester to Birmingham Canal. The Trust's aim is to promote the preservation of the Droitwich Canals, a historic heritage waterway, and to promote the enhancement of its environment. The first Pamela May boat was launched in 1994, and the new Pamela May II was launched in April 2019. For the full list of dates, you can visit the website at https colon slash slash www.pamelamay.co.uk slash new boat appeal. The next article concerns the lovely letterbox toppers that have been appearing in recent years. And this one has a picture of a crocheted crown on top of a, a red postbox. Royal Mail is crowned. A royal crown has appeared on top of a postbox in Northwick. The intricate, crocheted, golden and purple crown sits atop a red, and white, red, white and blue base at the corner of Ombersley Road and Collin Road. The royal crown is the work of yarn bombers who make postbox toppers, usually anonymously, reflecting national events. Toppers have also appeared in Hallow, Fernhill Heath and outside Northwick Manor Primary School in recent weeks. There's a related article which sadly talks about vandalism. Yarn bombers joining forces. Vandalism has prompted a yarn bomber in Worcester to form a new group to prevent further damage to postbox toppers. Julia Edwards, more formally known as the Fernhill Heath and Clanes Yarn Bomber, wants to set up a new yarn bombing group. The move was sparked by a vandal who beheaded knitted royal figures on a postbox topper on Northwick Road. It caused upset among people living in the area who admired the designs, particularly schoolchildren walking to Northwick Manor Primary Schools. It takes Ms Edwards at least a week or two to create the postbox toppers and to see a topper vandalised makes her feel devastated. Ms Edwards will be starting the group with her friend Lisa Ball and is hoping other crocheters will join forces to create toppers. They They hope to find a suitable venue where they can all gather to work on designs together. 
Lisa and I both love doing the toppers, but also have been upset from time to time when they are damaged, Miss Edwards said. We both have families and lots of other commitments, so when you are using a part of your spare time to make these for them to be destroyed, it's devastating. However, we love the craft and the enjoyment it brings and we hope that by sharing this through knitting and crochet within the community and hopefully there will be community postbox toppers lovingly created by people in our community. It is hoped that if the community makes the toppers and has their names and faces attached, they will be respected more. Yarn bombing is a type of street art where people create colourful designs and leave them in public places such as on bollards or bollards or fences. The two are now looking for local venues for their community group and anyone, no matter their skill in knitting and crocheting, can join. Once a venue has been secured, the pair will look to host their first meeting. Mystery had surrounded the identity of the yarn bomber in the area for nearly a year before Miss Edwards came forward about her creations. Beneath a photograph of a fire person holding a smoke alarm, a spring clean to save life is the headline. <clears throat> a spring clean could save your life, according to Hereford and Worcester Fire and Rescue Service. As part of the Fire Kills campaign, the fire service is urging people to clear out clutter that could be blocking escape routes in a fire. Emma Roberts, the Hereford and Worcester Fire and Rescue Service Head of Prevention, said, Make sure you're always prepared, your exits are clear, and everyone knows what to do if the worst should happen. Having working smoke alarms is also very important. And Ms Roberts added, having working smoke alarms and knowing the escape plan in an emergency could make all the difference. A surprise alpaca birth has stunned the team at a popular country park near Worcester. Staff at the Cobb House Country Park and Mayfly Cafe in Witchenford did not even realise alpaca Holly was pregnant. But it was a lovely surprise when they discovered Holly with her newborn, Crea, the name for a baby alpaca. Simon Yap, manager of Cobb House, said, We had a surprise on Friday. Holly, one of our alpacas, gave birth to a female Crea. We had no idea she was pregnant. Holly came to us in July 2022, unbeknown to anyone, already pregnant. Alpacas are pregnant for around 11.5 months. Visitors to the farm park will get the chance to name the baby and if their name gets chosen, also meet the alpacas. The country park has several animals you can go to see on your visit, including alpacas, reindeer, pigs and goats. £300,000 fines for prescription claims. Patients in Worcestershire and Herefordshire were fined more than £300,000 for unpaid prescriptions last year, a total of 3,602 fines were issued across the two counties in 2022, adding up to £328,940. Penalty charge notices are issued when patients claim a free NHS prescription but are later found to have not been exempt from paying. Most adults have to pay a prescription charge of £9.65 per item. 
but some people are exempt from this charge, including children, the over-60s, pregnant women and those with specified medical conditions and a valid, valid medical exemption certificate. The NHS Business Services Authority is the body responsible for checking if people were exempt from paying the charge at the time they claimed it. If no exemption is found, the authority sends an inquiry letter to the patient asking them to confirm their eligibility or call and discuss their case. If they weren't exempt from paying for prescriptions at the time, or if there is no response, a penalty charge notice is issued. An NHS Business Services Authority spokesperson said patients are advised to check if they are eligible for free NHS prescriptions before claiming by using the free online eligibility checker. A rather sad story next. Two nesting swans killed. Residents are horrified after the brutal killing of a pair of nesting swans with another left injured. People living in Pershaw claim the trio were shot multiple times by a person with a BB gun. Concerned resident Sally Cooper said the incident occurred on the wetlands near the River Avon over the coronation weekend. Two died and the third swan was severely injured and is currently being treated by the Vale Wildlife Hospital. The swan's eggs were taken and the nest was destroyed, with several BB cartridges littering the nest. Miss Cooper knew said the residents of Pershaw were horrified to learn of the brutal killing of a pair of nesting swans on the wetlands near the River Avon over the weekend. The pair had been shot multiple times by a BB gun and used cartridges littering the nest. The eggs had been taken and the nest destroyed. A third swan was severely injured and is being treated by the Vale Wildlife Hospital near Evesham. Wild swans belong to the Crown and are protected as wild birds by the Wildlife and Countryside Act. Those found guilty of committing these crimes can expect an unlimited fine up to six months' imprisonment or both. The Act specifies that it is an offence to kill, injure or take a wild bird or intentionally take, damage or destroy the nest or eggs. Ms Cooper New added, Antisocial behaviour has been a growing concern for the residents of Pershaw and the surrounding villages for many months. An increasing number of incidents involving damage to properties, vehicles and now wildlife from youths using mopeds and ball-bearing pellet guns. One resident had their car shot at while driving out of Pershaw past Pershaw College. Councillor Dan Boatwright has echoed residents' concerns with antisocial behaviour in the area and he said he is entirely behind residents on this issue. A meeting will be held at Pershaw Town Hall on Wednesday, May the 17th, between 6 and 8pm, where residents can voice their concerns to the Police and Crime Commissioner about antisocial behaviour. Worcester News has contacted West Mercia Police and the Vale Wildlife Hospital and Rehabilitation Centre and is awaiting a response. The headline... Next is People Roll Up Sleeves to Help. Worcester people got involved in the Big Help Out event happening across the UK. While the Prince and Princess of Wales and their three children helped out with a scout hut in Slough, people across Worcester also did their good deeds. 
Across the country, people have been encouraged to devote some free time on the Monday of the Coronation Bank holiday weekend for the big help-out. At Worcester Cathedral, volunteers were looking for people to join their ranks and help out at the landmark. And the article includes a photograph of four of the volunteers at the cathedral, Joan, Diana, Lynn and Jenny. Across the city, other people rolled up their sleeves to help clean up their communities. Among them was the Bishop of Worcester, Dr John Inge, who took part in a letter pick while he enjoyed his morning cycle. He said, rich litter pickings from the side of the road on our Saturday morning cycle route. It's sad how many people feel it is acceptable to chuck rubbish out of their car windows and spoil the countryside. Back in Slough, Prince Louis made up for missing out on a night of musical excitement celebrating the King's coronation by messing about in a digger. The young royal joined his big brother and sister, Prince George and Princess Charlotte, in helping to renovate a scout hut. When the Prince of Wales took control of a digger, Louis sat in his father's lap as Prince William moved the mechanical arm and grabbed a bucket full of soil before dumping it on a spoil heap. Later, the five-year-old prince was given the task of filling a wheelbarrow with what looked like builder's sand, and he focused on the job, diligently shoveling the material before wheeling the barrow himself. George was allowed to use a drill and concentrated as he worked making a hole in a piece of wood. Charlotte was spotted painting what appeared to be doors, and Louis tried his hand at the interior decorating, making handprints on a wall under the direction of the Princess of Wales, as the royals volunteered at the third Upton Scouts hut in Slough, helping to renovate and improve the building. Scaffolding put up outside a listed building in the city centre is set to be removed as soon as possible. The scaffolding at Angel House on Broad Street, outside of the former Poundland building, was first erected in 2021. There has been no estimated date of completion, but Worcester City Council said it will be removed as soon as possible. A spokesperson for Worcester City Council said, We are working closely with Historic England, Crown Estates, <coughs> excuse me, and their consultants on the current listed building consent application to ensure that this important listed building is properly conserved and the scaffolding removed as soon as possible so that the building can be brought back into use. The Crown Estate, which owns the building, said the complex nature of the building's issues had required the appointment of a new contractor. The delays have been caused by securing the necessary heritage approvals to remove the scaffolding, which has in turn caused delays to the internal work programme. With the building now secure, the Crown Estate confirmed it will be removing the scaffolding outside Angel House as soon as it receives heritage approval from Worcester City Council and Historic England. A Historic England spokesperson said, Historic England and Worcester City Council are currently awaiting further information from the Crown Estate regarding Angel House on Broad Street. We have responded in detail on what information is required and they are working on providing the relevant information as a matter of urgency. 
Businesses on Broad Street have previously spoken out about the effect on trade caused by the scaffolding and called the scaffolding an eyesore. The scaffolding was erected to ensure pedestrian safety and enable contractors to access and egress the site while urgent and essential repairs were being carried out. The hoarding at the front of Angel House was still, will still have to remain in place to ensure pedestrian safety. The Crown Estate has also said that it expects to, the impact on local businesses to be limited. Retro 1980s theme for this year's City Show. Preparations are underway for this year's Worcester Show, which is to have a 1980s theme with stall holders and visitors invited to join in the fun and don 80s fashion for the event. In collaboration with Worcester City Art Gallery and Museum, Worcester Show organisers are fostering its I Grew Up 80s exhibition on loan from collector Matt Fox. Into the theme of this year's show, the exhibition is at the Museum from July the 8th until September the 9th. This year's Worcester Show will be held on Pitchcroft on Sunday, August the 13th between 10am and 5pm. As always, the show promises fun for all the family with a wide range of stalls, sideshows, food and drink and live entertainment. There are over 140 competition classes ranging from arts and crafts to flowers, vegetables and cookery. Classes are free to enter and an exhibitor may enter up to two entries in most classes. Find out more. This year there will be several new competitions including visible mending and pressed flowers. There will also be a new section on creative technology. The show is delivered by Worcester City Council, supported by the Friends of Worcester Show. Woman went on theft spree. A 36-year-old woman who went on a stealing spree at Sainsbury stores across the city is banned from entering the supermarket while she waits to learn her fate. Prolific thief Leanne Timmins stole items worth in total more than £1,000 from the supermarket chain Worcester Magistrates Court heard. Timmins of Oak Ridge Close, Worcester, admitted 11 thefts from a shop which took place across a four-week period last year. Timmins stole from Sainsbury's £150 worth of meat items on February the 24th, fresh meat products valued at £175 from the St John's store on February the 24th, £150 of fresh meat from the St John's store on the 2nd of March, meat products worth £100 from St John's store on March the 3rd, £205.39p of meat items on March the 6th, Fresh meat worth £300 from St John's store on March the 7th, £200 of fresh meat from the St John's store on March the 8th, meat items worth £109 on March the 13th, valued, meat valued at £137 between March the 20th and 21st, £160 of meat from a store on March the 22nd, cleaning products and meat between March the 21st and 22nd. Mark Hambling, prosecuting, said there was very little if no sophistication to the thefts. It was walking in, taking the items, walking out. The prosecutor added Timmins had two previous convictions for shoplifting. Chris Agri, defending, said Timmins had been battling a heroin addiction made worse after traumatic events in her life.
She is now desperately seeking help, the solicitor said, before requesting a pre-sentence report. Brent Robinson, defending, told the defendant sentencing her straight away would not help. You are now looking for help. Some people don't want help, the chairman said as he adjourned for the report. Timmins was told to return to the court on June the 9th for her sentencing. The chairman added Timmins was on conditional bail, stressing to her she was not allowed to enter or loiter outside any Sainsbury store for any reason. The case was heard on Thursday, May the 4th. This headline refers to talented choirs in charity concerts. Two choirs will join together to help raise money for local charities in a weekend of concerts and sing-outs. Vocal High will be hosting choir leader Dominic Stitchbury's men's singing group, Chaps Choir. The songsters will be travelling from London for a weekend of fundraising, song sharing and concerts. They will be singing for Mag's Day Centre in Worcester and for the Pershaw Wellbeing Hub on the evening of Friday, May 12th in Pershaw Abbey, a Saturday, May 13th in St Swithin's. The concerts promised to be an unforgettable night of songs and shenanigans. Previous concerts have been described as joy-inducing, heartstrings-pulling, moving, witty and boisterous, and remarkable and uplifting. Last year, Vocal High performed three sold-out concerts in Pershore Abbey and Stanbrook Abbey, raising funds for the Red Cross in Ukraine, as well as giving a concert for Evesham Vale Welcomes Refugees. The concert on May the 12th is to raise funds and awareness for the Pershore Wellbeing Hub, an organisation run by volunteers that works to support people with a range of needs in the Pershaw community. Saturday's concert is in support of the fabulous work done by MAGS, helping homeless people in Worcester. Focal High have been bringing joy in the form of songs of all shapes and sizes to venues around Worcestershire for six years. Both choirs will be performing uh, on Saturday the 13th at St Swithin's Church in Worcester. If you're in Worcester Town on Saturday during the day, you may also catch the singers as they offer a flashbulb on the streets on their way down to perform at Worcester's first balloon festival, which we now know is not taking place. <laughs> Tributes have continued to pour in for a hard-working and formidable councillor following his sudden death just days after he was re-elected. Labour councillor Simon Cronin died on Tuesday, less than a week after he was re-elected for the third time in a row to Worcester City Council with a convincing victory. Mr Cronin was described as respected, well-liked and the calm voice of reason, as well as a wonderful friend by colleagues with warm tributes paid from across the political spectrum. Remembering her uncle, Simon's niece Natalie Cronin said... He was a greatly respected member of the community, a wonderful friend to many and a dearly loved brother, uncle and great-uncle. He will be so sadly missed. Continuing the tributes, Worcester City Council's Managing Director David Blake said Councillor Cronin was respected and well-liked and was always the calm voice of reason.
His warm and friendly approach will be greatly missed by everyone, he added. It is incredibly sad that Worcester has lost such a kind and dedicated politician. Labour colleagues and friends in Worcester were also quick to pay tribute. Tom Collins, Labour's parliamentary candidate for Worcester, said Simon Cronin was an icon of Labour in Nunnery and on Worcester City Council. He will be greatly missed by so many of us. Thank you, Simon, for your years of dedication and fierce solidarity. It was far too soon and we miss you. In a tweet, Councillor Jabariaz said, We have lost a loyal, trusted colleague, friend and councillor who put Worcester first and foremost. He was read through and through and would always be remembered for his affectionate, calm demeanour and powerful arguments at council. We will miss you, Simon Cronin. Former City Councillor Joy Squires said Worcester Labour Party had been inundated with tributes to Simon from across the country, across the political divide and from so many in Worcester who knew him as a friend. Simon was a constant in any my political life and I shall miss him dearly. And Worcester's former Labour MP Mike Foster said, I can speak for all in saying it has been a difficult few years for those that knew Simon. It has been a shock to both friends and family. He will be sorely missed. Councillor Cronin's political rivals also added to the long list of fond tributes. The city's Conservative MP Robin Walker tweeted, Very sad to hear of the passing of Simon Cronin, a long-serving Labour councillor and formidable campaigner in Worcester. He was always friendly in person, with many a joke amongst colleagues and opponents alike. Lib Dem councillor Mel Alcott said, Myself and all Worcester Liberal Democrats are very saddened to hear of the passing of Councillor Cronin, a kind, likeable and hard-working councillor who clearly cleared who clearly cared for his residence. Thoughts are with Simon's family, friends and council colleagues. In another tribute, Worcester Green Party tweeted, We are much saddened to hear of Councillor Simon Cronin's passing. He was a fair-minded and honourable man who saw the best in others and strongly defended those most in need. He will be greatly missed. And now uh, Richard will do some sport items for us. Let's start with the uh, ongoing shenanigans at uh, our wonderful rugby club, which doesn't exist anymore. The return is on hold, says this headline. Atlas are officially in at six ways, but Worcester Warriors men are still three to four years away, it says. The Atlas Consortium, who officially completed their takeover at six ways on Wednesday, May the 3rd, have stated that a Worcester Warriors men's team are still three to four years away from returning. Directors Jim O'Toole and James Sandford were speaking to the BBC Hereford Worcester Warriors podcast on Wednesday evening, where they answered questions on what might be next for the rugby club. And it doesn't appear to be good news for supporters of Warriors as O'Toole suggested that any return for a men's Warriors team could be years away. It looks likely now that elite-level rugby will next season consist of Warriors women and Wasps, who on Wednesday were confirmed as approaching the RFU to play their matches from six ways. 
Warriors women and local non-league football side Worcester Raiders stated earlier in the year that they had verbal agreements with Atlas to play from six ways next season, meaning the stadium will have three tenants at least. The proposal to bring Stourbridge's first team to play under the Warriors' name tag remains the main priority for O'Toole and Sandford, but the former did say that was more likely to happen inside the next three to four years. They had originally planned to reintroduce the Warriors to league rugby next season uh, for 23-24 season at level five, Midland one, but that seems unlikely given the Rugby Football Union have specifically said that if Warriors are to come back, it would have to be from the very bottom of the pyramid, level 10. Now it looks as if there will be no Worcester men's team next season and hopes that Warriors will one day return continue to look slim at best. Continuing on from that story was under the headline Unforgivable, Worcester Warriors supporters demand the Rugby Football Union to prevent Wasps from playing at six ways. A Worcester Warriors supporters trust has called on the Rugby Football Union to block efforts from Wasps to play at Six Ways Stadium. The Trust has accused Wasps of trying to poach a ready-made fan base, calling them a cuckoo club. Unpaid debts saw Worcester placed into administration late last year, with the side relegated from the Gallagher Premiership. Wasps are looking for a new home after leaving Coventry following their own administration last season and have applied to use Six Ways for home matches in the Championship for the 23-24 campaign. The Warriors' application to play in the Championship next season was rejected by the RFU over a dispute with Byers Byers Atlas. Warriors' women's team and Worcester Raiders Football Club currently play their home matches at Six Ways and the uh, WWST feels any such move by Wasps would have a negative impact on the current teams in the area as well as any future rebirth of its own men's side. We believe that if Wasps become tenants at the Six Ways Stadium it would significantly impact in a negative manner the prospect of a Phoenix Worcester team, its statements read. Although most Warrior fans would choose not to support Wasps, it is inevitable over the proposed tendency that they would attract a local following. This would be to the detriment of a pre-existing local rugby clubs, including any potential Warriors team. Wasps have no history in our local area, we believe they are intent on effectively poaching a ready-made fan base. There are other facilities closer to their previous grounds. We do not believe they should be allowed to effectively set up a franchise in Worcestershire. The statement added, if Wasps also became tenants, it would prevent a Worcester Warriors men's team playing at their own home ground due to fixture congestion. The supporters and the wider Worcester community have no desire for a cuckoo club to install itself at the Six Ways Stadium or training facilities. It would be unforgivable if a club 
without any stadium or facilities, which has left behind vast debts and misery in Coventry, was given preferential treatment over our long-established club. We must await further developments with interest. On a happier note, on Tuesday, May the 9th, there's a wonderful report about how Azar Ali digs into deep, how it digs deep to help pairs to a draw in the county game against Sussex. Azar Ali demonstrated all his class and experience with a terrific century to help Worcestershire claim a draw with Sussex at New Road on Sunday. Ali batted throughout the final day, an innings spanning more than six hours and 279 deliveries to pull the pairs over the line, despite yet another incredible performance from Sussex and England seam bowler Ollie Robinson. The 29-year-old followed up his 7-for-59 in Worcestershire's first innings with 7-for-58 in the second innings, taking his overall match figures to 14-for-117. But it was not enough for Sussex to claim victory as Ali proved a nut too tough to crack, with Adam Hose making 41 useful runs. With day three being washed out due to rain, the draw was always a likely result, but the home side resumed on 34 for one, 77 runs behind when play began on Sunday, following Chichetswa Pujara's 136 for Sussex on day two. Robinson had taken seven wickets in the first innings, and the England pace bowler again posed the biggest threat. Ed Pollock, scored 17, pushed forward to a delivery which nipped away from him and Australian Steve Smith held onto a chance at second slip. Jack Haynes only scored seven when he went for a drive and edged Robinson through to keeper Ollie Carter. Hose, who had scored his maiden 50 for the club in the first innings, was quickly into his stride with a cover drive and on drives for four at Sean Hunt's expense. Azard demonstrated all his know-how to combat the Sussex attack as he and Hose gradually tipped the tempo and posted a half-century stand in 15 overs. Azard completed an excellent 151 ball 50 after lunch when he cover-drove Flynn Hudson Princess for his fifth boundary. Robertson picked up his fourth wicket of the innings when Hose on 41 was LBW to a delivery angled back in. It ended a partnership of 88 in 28 overs with Azar. Club captain Basil D'Oliveira, managed to score 22, looked in good nick, flicking Henry Crocombe off his legs for four and cutting him for another boundary. But Hudson Price returned to have him caught behind at effectively 70 for five. The new ball was nine overs away when the players came out after tea, and in an ideal world, Robinson would have been rested until that juncture. But Sussex needed wickets, and he was straight back into the attack and completed his fifer when Gareth Roderick edged a lifter to second slip after only scoring eight. There was more joy for Robinson as Matthew Waite fell for a ball outside the uh, sorry, felt for a ball outside the off stump and only scored five. And Tom Alsop at first slip did the rest and he then bowled Joe Leach. 
but Josh Tung came in to stay with Azar until he reached three figures, and eventually the two sides shook hands on a draw. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you. Right, we we'll go on with some more stories now from the from the week's news. Shocked litter pickers found three large canisters of so-called laughing gas dumped on a piece of grass near a city school. The volunteers found a carrier bag full of three large SWAT, SWAT whip bottles filled with nitrous oxide on the grass near the flats in Edgeworth, close Warnden. The drug is used in a medical setting to control pain and anxiety. However, N2O, sometimes called hippie crack, whippets or whippets, is also used recreationally, although the government is set to tighten the rules. Nitrous oxide can induce euphoria, relaxation and a hallucinogenic state and a habitual use can lead to severe neurological damage. The Warnden Litter Pick team made the discovery as they filled 11 carrier bags full of rubbish while clearing the perimeter of Oasis Academy and the hub in Edgeworth Close, Warnden on Tuesday. The Platform Housing Initiative is designed to tidy up Warnden, encouraging people to take pride in their community, protect wildlife and discourage fly-tipping and littering. The litter pickers have found the smaller silver containers before, but not the larger ones, which are the size of a small fire extinguisher. Medical professionals use a combination of oxygen and nitrous oxide for pregnant women during childbirth, as well as during other procedures. Nitrous oxide sold in metal (coughs) containers is known as NOS and is one of the most used drugs by UK 16 to 24 year olds. In March, it was announced it was set to be banned as part of a government crackdown on antisocial behaviour. The platform housing pick part of Communities Connected also found cigarette butts and gin bottles, said Paul Edwards, a community engagement officer. Other parks, including Cripplegate Park and parts of Tolladine and Ronxwood, have had to be cleared up too. Steve Cully, Oasis Hub Council Chairman and Chairman of the Charitable Board of Trustees, said, My daughter is a midwife and I knew what it was straight away. It's the same stuff, Entonox, but I have never seen anything that size. This is full-on medical Entonox, like that issued by the NHS, and they were just on the grass there outside um, a normal shop, inside a normal shopping bag. We don't know if the bottles are still pressurised. We didn't touch it, so we ported it instead. He said, unless regular litter picks take place, rubbish could blow into the school grounds, into the community garden, which is a haven for wildlife. Other items found on previous litter picks include plastics and nappies, which he said have been picked up by foxes. Councillor Jill Desiree, who said it's a really good thing to see the community working together to improve the almost constant litter problems in Warnden. Here's an important thing. The TSB warns about scams. TSB has issued a warning on the scale of social media scams taking place through services such as Facebook, WhatsApp and Instagram, as the bank says a significant proportion of the cases it sees have been coming through these platforms. The bank said that its own internal data indicates scams that come through these meta-owned companies account for around 80% of fraud and fraud cases within the three biggest fraud categories at TSB. 
TSB analysed its customer fraud data from January 2021 to December 2022 to make the finding the data relates to cases where the platform has been recorded. The next article is from Tuesday's paper. Stevie's legacy helps pay for gravestones. The parents of a little girl who died aged just three are paying for gravestones for other children in her memory. Stevie Stones was Stevie Stones was set up by Naomi and Barry Graham in memory of daughter Stevie in June 2021. The charity helps pay for gravestones for families who cannot afford them. The charity has recently been officially registered and the couple are now looking to help as many people as possible. Mrs Graham said, Gravestones are so very important but so expensive at the same time. When my little girl passed, I found designing her headstone to be quite cathartic and in the long run it allows you to continue to parent your child even when they're gone. The Grahams decided to launch the charity after visiting their daughter's grave at Astwood Cemetery. They noticed a dip in the ground which belonged to a child without a headstone. If you go looking there, there are a lot of dips and some children don't have any markers at all. So we're trying to make sure that no little people go forgotten, added Mrs Graham. It doesn't fix the problem, but it helps you heal just that tiny bit. If we can help take a tiny bit of a parent's pain away, then we will. Reflecting on how far the charity has come, Mr Graham added, it's, to, it's a mixture of a lot of emotions. Pride is one. We want to make sure Stevie's name has a legacy and that her time spent with us wasn't just a nice experience, but that it means something. So far, Stevie Stones has funded the installation of eight headstones with several more in the works. As well as helping those in Worcester, the charity has supported families in Hereford, Cheltenham and even one woman in Norfolk who has never been able to afford a headstone following her daughter's death six years ago. A fundraiser was held at Katie's Hair and Beauty Retreat on Brickfields Road on Tuesday, May 2nd, raising over £1,000 for Stevie Stones. The ladies' night was... Complete with a butler in the buff, makeovers, a palm reader, candy floss, a a tattoo artist and much more. Salon owner and Naomi's best friend, Katie Taylor, will complete a wing walk later this year for the charity. Thank you to everybody with all your donations. We are truly touched and feel blessed, she said. Mr Graham added, Katie has done a lot for us. She was the first person round when Stevie died and has been such a support for us. The charity is not the only thing in its infancy, with the Grahams recently welcoming a new arrival, Sydney. It's nice to be parenting again. You have to ignore the bags under my eyes, though, Mr Graham said. Mrs Graham added, she brings us a lot of happiness. It never replaces a child, but it's so nice to have someone to love again. A comedy musical as a hit at school. A couple of photographs of the RGS Springfield production of The Adams Family. 
A dark comedy was brought to the stage in a performance by pupils from a Worcester school. The Adams Family by R.G.S. Springfield was based on the original characters created by Charles Adams and performed to a sell-out audience. The cast showcased their theatrical talents in their interpretation of the musical comedy, tackling the topic of love and family acceptance. Guided by their teachers, Charlie Allen, and head, of Eng- head of English, and Liz McCabe, head of music, the cast brought Inverticoma's energy, passion, and humour to the stage with powerful vocals, spooky costumes, and true Adams family hilarity. End of quote. Special mentions went out to the pupils who played both the Adams and Bernanke families. Sebastian, who captured the suave, patriarchal figure of Gomez, while Isabel channeled Morticia's no-nonsense personality. Wednesday was played by Emily, and Will depicted the inverticommas normal, close inverticommas, boy, Lucas, and his wacky sense of humour. I am immensely proud of our young performers who took to the stage with confidence. After rehearsing for two terms, there have been many lines and lyrics to learn, and the performance was their chance to shine, said Mrs McCabe. A magistrate told a football fan celebrating a Portugal World Cup win it did not allow him to go drug driving in Worcester. Sandro Santos da Silva was caught drug driving in 2018, but that did not stop him from committing the same offence again on December the 7th last year, Worcester Magistrates Court heard today. Mark Hambling, prosecuting, said at around 9.30pm that day, officers saw a blue Mazda pull up outside the defendant's home in Chestnut Street, Worcester. The prosecutor said officials smelt cannabis before De Silva was asked to take a roadside drug test, which he failed. Magistrates heard De Silva's blood was tested, which showed he had more than seven micrograms of Delta-9 tetrahydrocannabinol, a breakdown of cannabis, per litre of blood, the legal limit being two micrograms. Mr Hambling added that due to De Silva admitting a second drug driving offence within seven years, magistrates should give him the mandatory three-year ban. De Silva, who defended himself, was asked by the court clerk if there was anything he wanted to say. I would like to say sorry, the defendant said. I swear to God, I always try to be careful. De Silva explained he had taken cannabis the day before while watching Portugal play in the World Cup and didn't realise the drugs that stayed in his system. After deliberations, Chairman of the Magistrates' Bench, Brent Robinson, told De Silva he would be disqualified from driving for three years. The Chairman said, The fact Portugal was playing football does not give you the right to endanger other road users. If you're going, you're going to take drugs, you need to educate yourself how long they remain in the system. The Chairman added, Unlike drink driving... There was no course De Silva could take that would reduce the ban length, meaning the defendant would be forced to serve the full ban length. De Silva was also fined £600 and ordered to pay costs of £135 and victim surcharge of £240. The chairman told the defendant on Thursday the £975 total was due to the court within 28 days. 
Portugal beat Switzerland 6-1 in the last 16 World Cup match on December the 6th last year, which was memorable for star Cristiano Ronaldo being dropped from the starting lineup. Huge demand for royal memorabilia. Sales of coronation memorabilia have attracted unprecedented demand as consumers seek a lasting memento of the occasion. Luxury ceramics maker Halicon Halicon Days said it expected sales of more than £1 million of its collections created to mark the occasion. Boss Pamela Harper said, We have seen unprecedented demand for our coronation collections. As a royal warrant holder and the sole historical supplier of Objedar to the British royal family, we have always seen our sales surge. However, the King's coronation is truly a momentous occasion and we have been overwhelmed by demand. We have increased our workforce by 20% since January and have created an additional 150,000 products for our coronation collections. eBay has also reported a roaring trade in coronation-themed mementos as searches for coronation teddy jumped by more than 980% week on week. God Save the King cushions increased by 400% and King Charles III coronation mug by more than 260%. Shoppers were also seeking out investment pieces with searches for King Charles stamp doubling in the run-up to the weekend alongside a 200% increase in searches for Royal Mint silver bullion coin. Robert Parkinson, eBay's UK coin stamps and bullion manager, said the coronation is set to cause a huge spike in demand for Charles III coins and stamps on eBay. The British royal family is popular around the world and being the first coronation to take place in over 70 years, it will undoubtedly generate a wide selection of popular memorabilia memorabilia set to increase in price over the time. Meanwhile, Sainsbury's said it had sold 143.3 miles of bunting and 22,000 Charles and Camilla face masks ahead of the coronation weekend. Searches for red, white and blue clothing are also up by 676% on last week, while searches at Argos for King Charles cardboard cutouts are up 369% over the last four weeks. Little said quiche sales were up 33% as customers took inspiration from the official coronation dish and that it sold one of its coronation mugs every five seconds on the first day of the sale. Park set to be transformed. A memorial nature park in Worcester is set to be transformed by a £30,000 funding boost. Work at the Mecco Memorial Nature Park in St John's, more commonly known as Sanctuary Park, is set to begin on Tuesday, May the 9th. There has been a £30,000 there has been £30,000 allocated by Worcester City Council's Environmental Committee to the project. The work will consist of the creation of a memorial area in remembrance of victims of the bombing of the Mecco works during World War II. The memorial will feature a sculpture, seating and an information panel about the bombing. Other plans for the park include areas of wildflowers which will be seeded in the autumn to bloom next year along with a community orchard along the northern boundary of the allotments which will be planted in the autumn. Worcestershire County Council will be carrying out work to resurface the public right-of-way between Wilkes Close 
and the allotments access track. The public right-of-way will be closed during the works and pedestrians are requested to use an alternative route. The park itself will remain open but there will be restricted access on certain days. Temporary protection of the construction area will be required but it is hoped that disruption will be kept to a minimum. On Thursday the 3rd of October 1940, a lone German aircraft bombed Worcester and dropped its bombs at low level on the Mecco works in St John's and then afterwards machine-gunned the area. Seven people were killed and 50 injured in what was the only fatal bombing raid to take place within the city. A memorial to those killed was placed at the works, honouring the lives of employees Albert Edward Williams, William Hume, James Williams Perry, Williams George Ricketts, George William Lee, Thomas Charles Santler and Louis Clement de Fay. Also commemorated was civilian Doris Tyndall, who lost her sight in the raid. The Mecco Works originally produced equipment for the mining industry and continued to do so throughout the war, whilst turning to the war effort. It is believed the works was deliberately targeted and not just a random attack. Production at the works stopped for five days after the raid. Um, I'll just give you the sunrise and sunset for today. The sun rose this morning at 5.23am and set at 8.49pm. And the thought for the day. The foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom and the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. That comes from 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, verses 25. And the bereavements this week... Sheila Bright, aged 679, passed away on the 15th of April. Her funeral service is at St Barnabas Church on Tuesday the 16th of May at 12 noon, followed by committal at Worcester Crematorium. Family flowers only, please, but donations, if desired, for the PSP Association may be left on the collection plate or at church or sent to E.J. Gummery and Son, 68 to 70 Ombersley Road, Worcester, WR3 7EU. Kenneth Allies, known as Ken affectionately, passed away peacefully on the 25th of April, aged 91. His funeral will take place at Worcester Crematorium on the 25th of May 2023 at 11.30am. Family flowers only, but donations, if desired, may be gratefully received by St Richard's Hospice. All inquiries to co-op funeral care, 17 Lowesmore, Worcester, WR12RS. Their telephone number is 01905 22137. Marilyn Band, uh, she passed away peacefully on the 23rd of April. Her funeral um, is at Worcester Crematorium on the 18th of May at 1.45 and there are no other details about funeral furnishes there. Brian Passy, um, aged 69, died on Sunday the 23rd of April. Uh, a celebration of his life is to take place at St Peter's Church Martley at 11am on Friday the 19th of May. 
family flowers only, but donations if desired to Ombersley Medical Centre via Emma Booston, Funeral Services of Bromyard or at the church service. Avril Rees passed away uh, peacefully with her daughter beside her on the 1st of May, aged 93. Her funeral service is at Worcester Crematorium on Monday the 15th of May at 10am. Family flowers only, please, but donations, if desired, for Age UK may be left on the collection plate at the crematorium or sent to E.J. Gummery and Son, 68-70, Ombersley Road, Worcester, WR37EU. If you attend the funeral, please wear something comfortable and colourful, please. That's the request of the family. Paul Leary passed away uh, on the 24th of April, aged 69. His funeral service is to be held on Friday the 12th of May at 3pm at St Martin's Church and then there will be a service at Worcester Crematorium at 4pm. Flowers welcome on all donations for Prostate Cancer UK and the Foundation for Liver Research UK may be left on the collection plate at the church or the crematorium or sent to E.J. Gummery and Son, 68-70, Ombersley Road, Worcester. Judith Porter, Nee Richards, passed away peacefully on Saturday the 22nd of April. Her funeral service is at Worcester Crematorium on Tuesday the 16th of May at 2.30pm. Family flowers only, please but donations in Judith's memory are invited for Dementia UK and may be left on the collection plate at the crematorium or sent to E.J. Gummery and Son, 68-70, Ombersley Road, Worcester. William Jones, affectionately known as Bill, uh, died on April the 5th, aged 84 years. His funeral service is at Peopleton Church on Tuesday, May the 16th at 12 noon, followed by interment. Family flowers only, please, but donations, if desired, for Alzheimer's Society and Peopleton Church, and they, they may be sent to E. Hill and Son, Funeral Directors, Pershaw. That's WR10 1HZ. Um, Timothy Hill known affectionately as Tim. Um, now, he has died in uh, Canada. Um, and so the announcement is, is just uh, an announcement as, as such. Um, he, he died um, on May the 8th. Uh, and um, his final obituary and service details w will be available at www.dignitymemorial.com. Finally, Walter Barnes, uh, he died on the 6th of April, aged 85. Uh, his funeral will take place at 3.15 on Thursday the 18th of May at Worcester Crematorium. Donations are welcome in favour of the British Heart Foundation and all inquiries to funeral, uh, co-op funeral care, 17 Lowesmore, Worcester, WR12RS. Telephone 01905-22137. Our thoughts go out to all the families and friends of those people. And uh, that's our um, 
service this evening. So I'd like to thank everybody for being here. We'd all like to say good night. Good night. Good night. Um, we hope you have a lovely week and we also hope that you enjoyed your celebrations for the um, coronation last weekend. Take care, all of you. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs>